0: Two-pitch, ball lined to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air. Yount makes a great catch and one! The Amos has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings and here it is! A face hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive to the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. What a A two-run home run. The Brewers take the lead. Morgan, a smash up the middle. Face hit.
1: You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, it feels like I just left your side, dropped an episode today on this fine Thursday off day um, as we sit here speaking. But, uh, you know, something happened, Adam. The Brewers added a bat and a glove, I should note, uh, in a deal. And we are here to break it down and talk about it as the first domino of whatever this trade deadline will be has fallen for the Milwaukee Brewers. Adam, it's been eight hours. How you doing? Ten hours, give or take?
2: I'm doing well. Um, I summoned this trade, much like, you know, staring in the mirror and saying Candyman over and over again. I was aware to it earlier. I went out on the limb, I was like, you know, dang, you're gonna do very much. It's just like it's my feeling, and I noted that it was when we reached that point and a statement like that was made last year that the Josh Hader trade happened. So here we are. Brewers made a trade, which is exciting. Um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll talk through it. it whether this is a table setter or whether this is it, I guess is the big question that we're not going to be able to answer. We'll talk about the specifics of this one and maybe we can look to that. There's maybe a case both directions that, hey, cool. Um,
1: but yeah, we'll we'll talk through. We'll get to all of that. We sure will, Adam. But first we will talk about what the trade is uh, on paper. Uh, so the Milwaukee Brewers have acquired... Carlos Santana, first baseman uh, from the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, we know him well because he hit a walk off homer against the Brewers earlier in the season and did a fun dance when he got to home plate. So, if you want to bring that dancing to Milwaukee, I'm sure we will be happy to see it. Do you uh, do Car- you remember?
2: Do you remember who he hit the home run off?
1: That would be Matt Bush.
2: Yeah, and you know, <laughs> an enemy of Matt Bush. That's our friend, Andrew.
1: Uh, Yes, yes, it is. Uh, They acquired him for Johnny Severino, who uh, is an 18-year-old shortstop uh, who was signed uh, during the international signing period in, I believe, January 2022. Um, And uh, Severino, a guy who right now is playing in or was playing in complex ball um, in the Arizona Rookie League, played 12 games, four homers, 250, 289, 583 slug uh, a lot of scouts i think think that he will eventually move to third base if he uh, can't um, be a full-time shortstop so a guy that obviously he was uh signed for a fairly sizable uh, bonus 1.23 million dollars uh during that international signing period again in january 2022 so a guy that the brewers obviously liked and thought highly of but someone that was uh not in the upper tiers of their minor league system. According to most publications, I think he was ranked 30 or twenty eighth. excuse me for baseball. America was not in the MLB pipeline, top 30. Um, so a guy that's far away and that they don't know what exactly his career will look like a lottery ticket type player. And they decided to cash that in for someone that can help the team right now. Carlos Santana switch hitting, um, first baseman started his career as a catcher with Cleveland. And, uh, now is, um, going to be by all accounts the everyday first baseman for your milwaukee brewers he's had kind of an up and down year great start to the season in april had a hot june as well um overall on the year coming in um with a 235 batting average 321 obp uh 412 slug for 732 ops and ops plus of 98 so just a little bit below league average 12 homers, 53 RBI, which as you noted to me before the podcast, ranks fifth for National League first baseman. Um, yeah, I mean, given the struggles that this team has had uh, at first base, at DH, um, and in right field, this was an area that they could address incrementally to get better without really having to give up a huge prospect haul. And they went out and did it. So first domino's fallen and we'll talk a little bit later about uh, what we think the rest of the deadline will look at, look like. But I think For right now, we look at this deal and shake our heads and say, yeah, why not?
2: Yeah, good work, Matt Arnold. Uh, There is risk attached, like with any prospect. You can't be too precious about all of your prospects, though, or you don't make any deal ever and you're just dealing with constant paralysis. Uh, Certainly, Johnny Severino was one of these kind of international signees that has been the cause of great excitement. Obviously the Brewers have been doing very well in this department of light Jackson Chirio as our, our next great hope being the kind of the, the ultimate case study for it. But it is something that it feels like year to year, there is more and more positive written about the work the Brewers are doing in that particular department. Yet this is not someone who is on the verge of being a major league player who is currently touted to be one of their very, very best prospects Maybe he turns out to be an absolute superstar. What can you do with that? There's always that level of risk. Uh, One thing that did occur to me, because shortstop does feel like a position, particularly, I guess, as time has moved on. Like a year ago, this might have been different. We're talking about Bryce. or seeing Bryce as kind of someone in the mix there. It doesn't feel like the richest or deepest spot in the farm. And yet, Cooper Pratt is someone that there's going to be a lot of excitement about if they just picked up. And that could be a factor here, I guess, in terms of the increased willingness um, to part with a highly thought of prospect, if not necessarily one of your top guys, because you've got someone else in a similar kind of age range who you are very, very excited about now in the mix. So I don't know. I mean, if we're to treat it like that, we could be seeing some elements of a concerted um, planning and kind of diligent picking away and kind of creating this opportunity piece by piece over the last while coming together. I think in terms of what they're bringing in, it's one of the more obvious needs. It's the most obvious need, certainly with Rowdy Tullard's down, but even with his struggles and whether they be injury or not, we'll find out when he's healthy and gets back. Um, It's been a position the Brewers haven't been getting enough out of. And whatever kind of combination, if it is that Santana ends up being your everyday first baseman and a healthy ready to Les as your DH, or even if some of that is flipped around its head, I doubt it, given how good defensively Santana is. You're adding an extra weapon to your arsenal. You're adding a great defender to an already great defense. I think that's probably something we should dig into and spend quite a bit of time on. Um, But you are adding... A good bat, a somewhat inconsistent bat at this point in his career. Carlos Santana is 37 years old. He is on an absolute heater at the moment, which we'll hope will carry over to Atlanta and see big rewards yielded right away for this trade. But his season has been one of ups and downs. Uh, it seems like when he gets hot, he gets really hot, though, and that's something that the Brewers haven't had a whole lot of. And uh, With Rowdy having a down year, with Willie Adama is having a pretty inconsistent down year in his own right too. So some pop added, a great infield defender, some versatility and an extra option at a position where it was greatly needed. And at what certainly in the moment is a very modest cost. Um I can't remember I saw someone tweet could they have got this for considerably less a week ago before Santana really picked things up again and he's had a two-homer game even in the last week. Possibly, but such is life. And I think for what the Brewers need right now, this feels like a deal worth making, solid cost, given the overall picture of the farm system, the guys they've just drafted, and let's hope it's one that will pay off in a really big way. And that we see the the immediate impact and the boost to it in the brewers lineup in the the days, weeks, and months ahead.
1: You mentioned defense, uh, ranked 10th in baseball uh, for first baseman for outs above average with two. Leads baseball in defensive runs saved for first baseman with six. Uh, So a guy who plays the position very well. A veteran, 37 years old, made his debut way back in 2010. Um, So uh, Britt Giroli in the athletics write-up of the trade um says that uh he's also you know viewed as a clubhouse veteran who has been hailed for his leadership and mentor abilities uh uh, you know (laughs) the quantifying something like that is uh largely impossible but also you know bringing a guy into the clubhouse who's going to bring a good vibe i mean uh when you can add leadership and just like veteran experience to the mix uh along with upgrading uh spots in the lineup that you've been desperately needing help for for the whole season I mean that's in addition obviously the defense and and hopefully continuing uh, a hot stretch with the bat is what we were <laughs> were really looking to get here but you know that's a nice bonus too um he's he's been around the block he's seen a lot of major league baseball um yeah I like what you said also about you know draft time and some of the work that the Brewers front office was able to pull off and getting guys signed and allocating their their slot money as efficiently as possible adds some more depth to the system in up the middle positions and especially with uh Cooper Pratt um and yeah it makes you like more willing to deal from uh the system and I think I love that they got this done early trade deadlines next Tuesday July 27th Matt Arnold has talked about wanting to add responsibly, and they've done that here with this deal. This is adding responsibly and not trading from the guys that you expect to be the next cornerstones of your franchise to get better, at least you know marginally better, and you'll take that. Um, and now you can let the rest of this weekend and the week play out. What teams go into tailspins that causes them to sell? Who becomes available that you didn't think was going to be available? Maybe you go in and you add uh another DH option or um someone that can play an outfield position or maybe even third base. Uh who knows? You have the flexibility now and the time to see what else develops on the market, knowing that you at least did something that presumably will make you better. So I- I'm intrigued to see how the rest of this weekend plays out and uh who else becomes available. You know, I've been dreaming on the Imer Candelario uh thing forever. He's would now, you know, ass- assuredly, if they Picked him up, be the starting third baseman. He's been very good defensively there as well. So you got options, and you can let things play out. Maybe grab another arm for the bullpen. Uh, Let's see Matt Arnold's quotes coming through on uh, on Carlos Santana, and it's what you would expect. Uh, We are thrilled to add Carlos. He is a switch hitting power bat and a quality defender. His veteran presence and winning attitude will be valuable. Will be a valuable addition to the clubhouse as we continue our push to the postseason. So you know it sounds like. It sounds like a lot like what we you know, got uh, from Kutch last year, but with the added value of being a plus defender.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
2: And I guess in part, like, some of what, well, Jesse Winker, you know, locker room clubhouse presence is a more complicated issue for sure. Um, but in terms of just an experienced bad who's had real success, I mean, they have been trying to work this out and they haven't had a whole bunch of luck. So it is going back to that well, but in a much greater position of need. And as you said, yeah, with the upside of that defense, I think it's a big deal because I know to close out the series against the Reds, we saw... Um, Oh, Miller subbed in late and make a couple of really nice defensive plays. It is not entirely natural or comfortable for him out there at first, and we have talked about that quite a bit. Of course, we'll probably have a Kesson Hero conversation again shortly and how this factors into that. Um, but we've talked about if he was to come up and all the reasons why they might, and part of the problem is it's like, yeah, we know what that adventure is like at first base. We saw them trying Abraham Toro first base. We've seen Victor Caratini at first base recently. So they've really been working to try and get creative and get that kind of extra bit of, I mean, pop in some of those cases is certainly overselling what you're hoping for from those guys. But in this case, they are looking for that extra bit of pop, but they've got a defensive upgrade as well. And as much as Rowdy Tellez is not the greatest defensive first baseman in Major League Baseball, by any means, he is just a natural there, first and foremost, and his size gives him an advantage where he will quite comfortably scoop a lot of balls that when he's been out this year or even on occasions when he hasn't been playing because he's been struggling, we have noticed and we've noticed his absence and bemoaned just, I guess, the lack of just a competent kind of natural first baseman on the roster to be his replacement or to be someone who he kind of platoons with. So to get to that place is very, very valuable. We've talked a lot about how defense is winning this team games. It is really putting them in a position to go and win the division to make the playoffs. That defense is going to get only even better. Now that is very exciting in its own right. Um, as for the hitting, we'll see. We'll see what kind of consistency we can get. Cause that is really what we need. But at the same time, feeding into the conversation we had earlier on the previous episode of the podcast, which if you haven't listened to that, don't just skip past that now and listen to this one. Make sure you go get the full breakdown of the red series, hear us talk a little bit more broadly about the deadline. But this is kind of the missing, like part of the missing piece that we were talking about, if we're to compare last year to this year and the fact the home runs have really dried up for the Brewers this year this is the kind of figure that could come in. He's going to give you really good defense, but there is also the prospect for some real pop, which is going to deliver you that power, deliver you the home runs that would maybe take you out of some of these ultra close games. You're finding yourself in, you're getting on base pretty well at this point. You just need to convert those opportunities. Um, Tree home runs in his last three games for Carlos Santana, including one in his final outing with the pirates. Um, yeah, so you just really enjoy playing the Padres in that series anyway. Um if we can see some of that, if we can see some homers, like the Brewers are just missing a player on the roster who can even give them kind of I don't know, um above average total of home runs where you're like, Oh, here's the like here's the support to the guys at the top end who we really expect something from. At that point, It's got really tough up there where it's increasingly Christian Yelich, what a world we live in, is now the person we expect to deliver home runs and basically only Christian Yelich, maybe William Contreras every now and then. But this is welcome, and I I do think it is going to help them to hopefully bridge some of what they've lacked. You, of course, hope you get like the three best months you could possibly get out of 37-year-old Carlos Santana, and it becomes... Something that propels the team forward in an even bigger way. Um, but at its baseline, I think it leaves in a pretty good spot. We do have some more news to talk about, Andrew. Just worked kind of throwing in, I, factoring in here, uh, which is Adam McAlvey reporting that Trevor McGill has been optioned, right? Um yeah, uh, optional Nashville, Nashville. yes. Um and there was already an open 40 man spot for Carlos Santana. I guess we can still... We had an idea of that open spot being there for Justin Wilson, and I guess that being filled up, then they're, they're having to kind of work out, okay, how are we going to kind of make all the pieces work? I I was kind of assuming he'll be activated for the Atlanta series, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it'll be a series after that. Um, but yeah, I guess there's not a whole lot surprising in that, and whether it's Trevor McGill, J.C. Mejia, oh, you know things of that nature, um, the time has certainly come to to move on from that from a Brewers perspective.
1: Um, this takes us off into a a whole way of speculation, but uh, this is more about the upcoming series. But do, is there any? possibility we think that I don't know I haven't seen the announced starting pitchers for this Um, do we think there's any possibility that the Brewers skip one of Tehran or Ray have the other one available whoever sk- started skipped they're available out of the pen and Corbin Burns gets uh, regular rest on Sunday and that they want to bring him in against the you know the most formidable opponent on their schedule with this McGill being sent down. Do we think that's any kind Don't of possibility? So. It'd be regular, regular rest. I think it'd be smart.
2: It might be smart. I guess the, the thing with that is, I think we were moving very close to that. And there was even, I, I remember the broadcast speculating about that um, maybe a week or so ago with Tehran that that's was going to be what we were looking at. And that might be the progression. And then you look at what he did against the Braves last time out. And Colin Ray has just been really, really steady. And I think they just probably keep riding that until they essentially don't have to when Woody's back. And then you can can make some decisions there. So as much as they can, I think until the moment where Brandon Woodruff is back, I don't know if they'll want to disrupt those other two guys too much. Maybe I'm overstating that. And maybe you just want to see Corbin Burns pitch in Atlanta, Andrew. That could be a factor in this. But I it's I, it's just you, you want to see Corbin Bird's pitch, I get it.
1: It's not it's not even that. It's the fear I have of uh the Julio Tehran magic trick just going completely awry as I sit in Druis Park just with like years of uh backed up memories just and watching just like of, 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 just... of Julio
2: of Julio Tehran, memories of Julio Tehran. Like... Yes.
1: Pitching, pitching well in that ballpark and just, you know, and then how, you know, great his start was some blips on the radar radar and then he recovers. And, you know, I'm just, I'm worried because I care too much. That's, that's, that's why I threw that in there, but we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I also anticipate that, uh, that they will keep the rotation as it is, but, you know, Brian, you gotta throw up the Brian Windhorse hands. Um, at some point uh a little bit more on santana adam um so i think let me let me go two ways about this um so if we could get a time machine and go back to 2019 and get that version of carlos santana oh man him and yelly would be uh dueling for player of the year material 2019 uh with cleveland uh, two eighty one, three ninety seven, five fifteen, thirty four homers, nine eleven OPS, uh, one thirty six OPS plus in a hundred and fifty eight games. What a season that was! If, if we could go back in time, uh, for his uh career, he is um hit lefties primarily better than he's hit righties. He is a switch hitter, as I think we mentioned to start um, or, this season. Order
2: noting, yeah, you're going to get to this season. That's not
1: quite true correct this season he is uh been in terms of uh wrc plus basically uh the same give or take some power against one give or take some obp against the other so uh yeah like mostly just uh close to league average against both and yeah yeah, i think we'll take that but yeah man what a 2019 season and then obviously first career seems to be uh, a lefty masher
2: I mean, the Brewers have long needed some of that, so hopefully that version of him does kind of resurface, Uh, although we won't oppose to him, you know, hitting well against righties either. I mean, not to get greedy here, Andrew, it'd be great if he could just hit very well, and even better, you know, as an all-rounder. We've seen some of the value of switch hitters, and I mean, the Brewers have got something out of that, like, even Blake Perkins, and you know, I feel about Blake Perkins, but... I feel like there have been moments where just having that ability, having the versatility that a switch hitter gives you has paid off. Um maybe more so with Victor Caratini, but they're nice options to have, particularly if someone gets hot or is in a bit of a groove. So very much excited for that. Uh I don't know if I'm excited for our friend Jordan Tresky making Constant Santana references because I've been through phases before where he liked to do that generally so with a player on the team called Carl Santana, Andrew that might get tough and I just think generally we're going to have a lot of Santana references from Brewers fans Uh, I'm excited though I am excited it feels like I don't know it's not maybe the ultimate kind of flashy move that I think most fans will have wanted and will still be holding out hope that they're gonna get. I would say TBD on that. Uh, me just me saying that though increases the chances, as was proven by our last podcast, everyone. So
1: what we did on that last podcast was we fulfilled our roles from a year ago. And so far, so good, because we mirrored imaged that the exact same way, except this time with a bat instead of a reliever. So we just gotta keep playing the parts, Adam. Um yeah, I mean we've we've talked about Santana, talked a little bit about Severino, the system. Uh we talked more about some of my trauma um uh as it relates to going to Atlanta this this uh weekend. I well, spent let's... the morning slandering Reds fans. We covered a lot of ground Adam. him.
2: <laughs> let's talk about the other guys that I guess are directly or indirectly affected by this. I mentioned Kesson Let's let's start there. This to me feels like a potential debt now for that. It really does. And it and May also, again, this is a point I've tried to make about a few guys recently, and it might be more true for him than others. You joked about the leak about well, he, he's even worse in the field now than he ever was. Um they just really might not believe in Kessenhura. And also we're remembering like they did DFA him. Uh, so <laughs> He just ended up back there. They can't get away from him, and he continues to hit a home run. So that everyone's like, "Oh, it's Hura time." I like. We have at times certainly have had enough of him being frustrated by what is just, I guess, the the Hura story at this point. Um, which is, it's like you're watching the same movie over and over again. You're watching him swing big, swing and miss. Maybe they just are completely over that. And, and as much as fans see him do stuff and it's like, you know, you got to do it. And Keston's time is going. They will literally trade prospects who uh, there was some level of excitement about as opposed to give Keston the chance. And like part of me, I, I know that will disappoint people, but there is a big part of me that just kind of trusts that too trusting that they know across all levels of the organization what they've got better than we do, particularly when it gets to a point where, you know, the damage he's doing is with the sounds. You and I are not watching all sounds games. We're not seeing what all this looks like. We're we're aware of the highlights when they come. I'm just very skeptical of the appetite in the organization to be like, yeah, let's do the whole Kessner thing again. And let's do it when, you know, The stakes are high. and We're trying to make the
1: postseason. Yeah, it's, I mean, it
0: just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: Um, But there that asks another question because we've laid out all of the chess pieces here. We say Carlos Santana, primary starting first baseman, maybe a little DH. Rowdy Telez when he comes back, we would assume, you know, primary DH plays a little first base. Those are the things that we're taking as truth or likelihood. Jesse Winker's on the IL with back spasms. What are we doing with DH um, between now and the time that Rowdy Teles uh, is back and ready to go? So that answers this question. I think post trade deadline, Jesse uh, Winker probably probably be DFA'd.
2: I mean, between between the time Rowdy's back, I mean, I don't think. Again, Santana's like Santana being such a good defender means you're not going to want to just make him your DH, but he'll get opportunity at DH. just as, like, we'll see, as we saw, if it wasn't last night, it was the night before, Christian Yelich should have a day at DH. William Contreras has got plenty of outings at DH when Caratini plays, and now add Santana to that mix. And all that's fine. Like, I, I think you can have multiple guys filling that role if you've got multiple guys who. Like we can have some level of belief that they're going to hit and they're going to contribute when they're in that role. Jesse Winker. I mean, that's that's felt done for a while on a lot of levels, but this certainly does eat into that because even again, I would expect even when Rowdy is healthy and if Rowdy pick things back up and we're seeing him and Santana swap between that a lot. Again, you're going to have Contreras DH sometimes when Caratini is is catching for Corbin, for example. You may still see why not get Contreras in the lineup and you'll have him at DH? You will still have occasions where they say, let's give Yelly a day off on the field, let him DH. Like, there wasn't really room for Jesse Winker on his struggles regardless. We had reached the point where Craig Council was kind of openly talking about him being like a pinch hitter. He's actually done okay as a pinch hitter. Um, but I don't know if that is something that's going to have a future on this team in terms of how you want to use your roster spots. Particularly, again, to refer to our previous episode, well, the guy just seems to be getting hurt quite a lot too. Not major injuries, but he is hurt quite a lot. And I just wonder if you were to give me, like to highlight one player and be like, well, who, who would make you think there are more moves to come and that this is the first domino? It's possibly Jesse Winker because I think they will they certainly can quite easily move on from there and then focus their attention on, okay, well, let's let's see what else we can add. Let's see what other bats we can get. Let's see what other deals are to be done at a similar price, maybe to what they did with Santana. And that's fine too. Like if you take a couple of Santana-esque flyers for prospects that are lower down your system. And you're you get guys who can either start or at least be quality bench options, like you're just you're actually creating depth at positions of need. I think we'd view that as a pretty successful deadline. So Winker is the question mark now in the way that he already was and how they handle that. I guess we'll see, but it does make me think maybe, maybe there is more to be done here. And it's probably like you've taught me this before, it's nearly always a safe assumption to assume just a team in any kind of contention is probably going to pick up a relief pitcher. Um, So we could have a few deals still to be done here. It's a good start, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, they've left themselves room to add even another bat if they want to. I don't know that they will, but they've left themselves that room and that leaves Winker on the outside looking in. Other guys on the roster, you've got, um, you can shuffle in and out guys from Nashville because you got a few guys with options, uh, Toro, Owen Miller. Um, if he doesn't kind of pick it back up, I think he'll probably stick on the roster as that utility role. Andre Monasterio, obviously, has played his way you into can't go anywhere. getting, getting uh, more and more at bats. Um, so they'll keep riding that as long as that lasts. And uh, yeah, if, if they're not going to bring up Keston, and it seems like Jesse Winker's time, it's done. I mean, we could see uh, a guy like Toro get some DH um, time as well. Um, I assume Jemai Jones will be headed back to Nashville as soon as Brian Anderson is healthy. That's one name we haven't mentioned. Uh, he should be getting closer to being back. What does his role on this team look like for the rest of the season? Luisa Rias, a guy you mentioned, who I think is picking it up at Nashville and starting to hit well. Like, There's just a, a lot of... Uh, A lot of different ways they could go about that, and uh, I think they've left themselves room to do more or do nothing else, and uh, at the end of the day, what this team does well and how they're going to win this division or do anything in the playoffs is going to be based on pitching and defense, Uh, because there's not the bowl you over addition left to be made, but... (laughs) There is a level of competence that could this offense could reach if Carlos Santana comes in and contributes. If guys that have performed below expectations start to tick better, um, but yeah, I mean, that just lends to a lot of conversation, Adam, because there are a lot of ways that they could go about this,
2: yeah. And again, it's like as as a baseline on that. I mean, Adam McAlvey had it that, um, Santana leads all MLB first baseman with six defensive runs saved this year he's fifth in the national league in terms of runs batted in like for the price. If, if they were just kind of even without a name, without a kind of age profile or anything, if someone was to pose the question to us earlier today, when we did the first pod, Hey, how about, you know, Major League baseball's uh, first base leader in defensive run saves and someone who's fifth in RBIs in the national league. Would you like that guy on this roster? At like modest cost i think both of us would definitely have said yes um it it kind of feels like a no-brainer there's always an element of these moves at this point in the year that our flyer new team new city everything's new see how a guy settles in there could always be variables there but the risk worth taking a very kind of in this moment, minimal risk. There's always a chance for a prospect that could come back to bite you, but I don't think the brewery should be playing that game as much as some other franchises because it does feel like their system is in a really good spot right now. And when you're in a really good spot, if you're not going to use that to trade from that position of strength, like, I, I there's no real point to it. That's got to be a factor when you build up a strong system because, look, we're seeing some of it now even. It's a case of, you know, if you end up with a logjam, you've got lots of quality prospects at one position. Maybe they won't all necessarily work out. Maybe you can't play them all, so you've got to pick the opportunities, the right times to leverage them. The Brewers needed to do something, wanted to do something, most importantly, and they've done it. Carlos Santana, We'll we'll see what happens from here. We'll see how it affects everyone else. I don't know how long Abraham Toro is for the Brewers. I feel like he could end up back in Nashville pretty quickly. Jemai Jones, that one feels like a guarantee, as you said, once Brian Anderson is back in the mix. But yeah, I, I like the move. Like on paper, it's very solid. I think there's lots to be intrigued and excited for. And most importantly, it's like when you look at what the Brewers are this year, there's absolutely zero subtracted. Um, and it's not even kind of a major subtraction in terms of what they might look like next year, the year after that. So this will feel like just a straight up ad- addition, and hopefully we see the crew reap the rewards from it.
1: Ah, uh, the LA Times is reporting that ah, uh, the Dodgers have discussed Nolan Arenado trade, and uh, Arenado oh. would re- reportedly be willing to waive his no trade clause. Uh, and now I see this tweet from uh Mark Feinsand that Mm -hmm. says that he spoke to Joel Wolf, who is Nolan Arenado's agent, and he quote declined to get into specifics about the LA Times report regarding the Cardinals Dodgers talks, but he did say the idea that Arenano would only waive his no trade clause (laughs) for the Dodgers was inaccurate. Yeah, you know, you know, you don't wanna. You know, you want a market. You want a robust market. You don't want just one team being limited there in those talks. You need uh leverage. Or I guess uh does that matter? No, because that the, the Cardinals would be the one uh wanting him to say that because <laughs> they want the market. Uh he just wants to get his client wherever is best. But uh yeah. It's uh it's uh, interesting times for the Cardinals. Are they gonna just completely blow it up? I I'd speculate no. But uh, that just didn't make me uh, raise my. That's eyebrows.
2: a that's a big move. I mean, as much as like that would make a lot of sense for them, given what their season is. Uh, like what's what's left on all Arenado's contract? I feel like he's I under contract
1: it's... for next year, right? No, it's pretty significant. I think Goldschmidt's got, um, Goldschmidt's got less time on his deal, but he's not a rental. Um, whereas Arenado. Pulling it up right now as Track loads. Um, signed through the 2027 season. Mm. So uh, yeah. 2024, $35 million, 2025, $32 million, 2026, $27 million. Um, 2027, $15 million. He had the opt-out after 2021 and 2022. Obviously, he didn't opt-out. And he's got the full no-trade clause. So he can... He and his agent can kind of dictate where that conversation goes like look
2: we're (laughs) we're not going to be upset if the cardinals really blow it up i just i would have thought they'd be like this is a weird down year and let's not let's not go overboard here because you know it could be really good and help us to be really good again next year no If they choose to otherwise probably good news for the brewers Although maybe, Andrew, maybe the Brewers have the Dodgers spooked. Maybe that's what this is about. They're worried about the Brewers catching them in the standings. I'm just gonna keep pushing this one. Um, but that that the Brewers could be pushing them to go and get Noel Naranado because they're just they're breeding down their neck.
1: Uh Goldschmidt signed through 2024. Uh there was also chatter on the timeline today about them looking to extend reliever Jordan Hicks. But no extension talks with Jack Flaherty or Jordan Montgomery, so maybe those guys will be on the move. Maybe they just blow it up. I can't see it, but maybe they do. I don't know. Uh, at least I wonder what Jack Flaherty us, would have to say about that. Uh, he would tell whoever was reporting it that they don't know Ball based on just kind of like how his interview scrums go. Uh, yeah, I don't, he hasn't done anything. Um, since that that one moment with, I think, Derek Gould. I can't remember. Also, Shohei Otani threw a complete game in game one of a doubleheader today, and he has hit two homers in the second game of a doubleheader. The man is a freak.
2: Sure is. All right. That does it for us for now. I guess it is the time of year where we should say, who knows, and you'll hear from us again. you just want to make sure you don't miss that. Subscribe wherever you get your pods. That's cruising for bruising. You should also listen to the rest of the GSPN podcast to make sure you're on top of all things Milwaukee sports. That's the Eurostep podcast network, the main feed for all things Milwaukee books. Ty and Rowan had Milwaukee books. man. You don't hear that phrase anymore. I'm going to use it here. Um, sharp shooter, AJ Green on the pod today. So if you want to hear the Eurostep interview with AJ Green, you should be going and checking that out in the main Eurostep podcast network feed. Talking to Tundra. With Numack, with Jordan, I'm right in saying a new episode went up today. Am I? Did you see that? Maybe you didn't. I don't know. I I believe well, a new episode. I, I believe a new episode of Talking to Tundra posted today when I was at a movie.
1: It did under the shroud of darkness because Numac forgot to tag us in it, so you may. Have oh, missed it,
2: but... so I did miss it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, he, he's got to do better than that. We'll take that up with a more fair, But new episode of Talking to Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. Go check that out. And last but by no means least, for more from Andrew and I, we're talking about movies and all things pop culture. And you know what? Right now, movies, they are the predominant form of pop culture. We're about to record a podcast about Oppenheimer that'll be available for all you to listen to on Friday. So, go check that out. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 pod is already there. Next week we'll do a Barbie pod. All of the big movies that everyone's seeing, everyone's talking about right now. Uh, We're about to be two-thirds of way through the episodes on those. So, make sure you see the movies, listen to the pods, and you're all set. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew.
1: Thank you, Matt Arnold.